0: sermon series this weekend that maybe you can see behind me says believe in the miracle believe in the miracle it's in the Christmas story that we see a lot of different miracles on display so often we only focus on just one which is the virgin birth of the Messiah Jesus and uh, there's so many more going on there's so many more miracles that I think that if we were to capture these different miracles on display that God may begin to show us different things about the Christmas story that we can appreciate, learn from, and grow from here today. So I want to invite you, if you have your Bibles, to turn with me to Luke chapter 1. And over the next three, four weeks, we're going to be jumping into the Christmas story, but maybe some different parts that you have skipped over over the years. And I believe that God is going to speak to you through this book and story. Luke chapter 1. If you're ready, stay ready. If you're hungry to eat from this word this morning, say, let's eat. eat. Before we eat, what do we do? Come on, we pray. Let's go ahead and pray for God to speak right now through this word. Father God, I just pray in the name of Jesus that, God, you would speak to us here today. And, God, I pray that you would teach us here today. And that, God, you would open our hearts this morning, Lord. And that you would show up during this time, God. And that you would give us a word today. Give us a full-course meal today. God, we've set the tone for today. We've, we've worshiped you, Lord, through song and praise. God, we've lifted our hearts to you in prayer, God. And now, Lord, through the preaching of your word, Lord, would you go ahead and feed us, Lord? Speak to us, Lord. Maybe this is the first time you've been to church in a long time or the first time you've prayed in a long time. Just know that God is near and he loves you more than you even know. And you can talk to him this morning. And maybe your word today is just, Lord, speak to me. Speak to me, God. It's what we ask for now as we enter into your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Luke chapter 1. We're going to go ahead and just set the tone here, uh, the setting for this passage. Luke chapter 1, starting in verses 5 through 7. It's in the days of Herod, king of Judea that I'm titling, simply put, Stay Faithful, God's Not Done. Stay faithful, God is not done. I want you to look at the person on this side of you, look at the person on this side of you and say, stay faithful. faithful. Come on, that was weak. Say, stay faithful. faithful. And now on the other side, tell them, "God's God's not done. God's not done. All right, he didn't leave you out. God's not done. All right, stay faithful, God's not done. If you're watching this online, stay faithful, God is not done. We'll just go ahead and walk through a few of these parts of the text today. In Luke chapter 1, verse 5, it says, In the days of Herod, king of Judea. It's important that we get to know who this guy Herod is because it's in doing so that we get to know the context of what's happening. The Baker Encyclopedia says this, Without a knowledge of the Herodian family, one can hardly have a proper understanding of the times of Christ. So who was this guy, King Herod, in the days of King Herod, what does that even mean? Well, this guy Herod is, a de- is, is an interesting character in the story. He's one of the pillar figures in uh, uh, world history. Herod, he inherited this kingship from his father. He was under the Roman government, but stationed in Jerusalem, and this guy was an absolute crazy person. You say, how do you know that? If you can look up some of the history on Herod, you'll find that this dude was a wicked, ruthless, selfish, egomaniac king. He murdered his wife. He had several of his children killed because he thought they were plotting against him. He was very suspicious of everything around him and everything that he did, and he had to make sure that everything was branded with his initials so that he could get all the credit and glory. And so even till this day, archaeologists are digging up coins and little artifacts that were once on the Herodian temple that have his print on them just because he stamped everything. Some, some would say that Herod was the greatest builder of all time, that you could be from a distance of oh, far, far distance and see his sculptures and, and bills. It was the whitest of white. It was the most perfection that it could be on a specific building. And he rebuilt The temple just to say that he did it and God used this crazy guy to rebuild his temple and this is the time that we're living in it's in Luke chapter 1 verse 5 it's in the days of Herod king of Judea why do I share that well because I just want you to see that it was a crazy time like there was a lot of wicked stuff happening there was 500 years in between four and 500 since God had spoken to anybody in the land So at this point, there would have been prophets, right? Like a prophet like Isaiah or Jeremiah or or somebody like a Daniel who had visitation from angels and spoke on behalf of the Lord. But there had been four to 500 years where God was silent. The last thing that was heard was found in the book of Malachi, where Malachi gave this prophetic word and said, One day, God will send his son and he's going to light it up, and he's going to bring righteousness into the land, and he's going to save people. But now it's four to 500 years, and there's been nothing. It's just Herod, and he's ruling. What is going on? This is where we land in our scriptures here today. It says, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. What does that mean? It just means that here's Zechariah, and he comes from a line of priests. In the Old Testament, you'll find this priest, Abijah. He was a man of God, and he is in the lineage. Zechariah finds himself in Abijah's division. Next, we, have, we find out that he's married. He's married to a lady named Elizabeth, and she comes from the daughters of Aaron, which is a priestly family. If you go back and read the book of Exodus, the second book in the Bible, you'll find a guy named Moses, and he had a brother named Aaron who became the priest that God called to lead alongside his brother. And Elizabeth dates way, 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 way back to the division of Aaron. So here's this godly couple with this godly background. As we continue reading about their story, we get to know a little bit more about them. As we continue into verse 6, it says, They were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But, everybody say, but, but they had no child. Because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. So here's this godly couple. Here's how they're known by. They're known by this. They they were both righteous before God. Wouldn't that be a cool way to be be remembered? I mean, first off, they made the Bible. How cool is that? Like they we don't know of anything really special they did. They walked righteously before God, they were blameless in all the commandments. And the statutes of the Lord, and there's a whole bunch in the Old Testament. They weren't perfect, but man, they were close. And they were highlighted here in this scripture, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. Now, maybe you would say, well, what does advanced in years mean? Does that mean they were like 30? Does that mean that they were like 40? I like how the NIV translation basically just says it out. It says they were both very old, all right? Can we just keep, can we just think like that? They were beyond the baby-making years, is what maybe you could assume in this scripture. We'll just leave it at that. That's what the author tells us. They were advanced in years, and Elizabeth wasn't able to have a baby, and here's this godly couple. Now, maybe there's nothing really in there that, that, that sparks anything for you, but here's what that sparks for me. That sparks for me that they stayed faithful regardless of their circumstance. The first point of the message today that I want to give you, and maybe it'd be a little bit of a challenge, is this. Don't allow your life circumstance to determine your faithfulness to God. Don't allow what you're going through to determine how much faithful you're actually going to be. What do I mean by that? I, I, I see this all the time. I hear this all the time. People leaving church. People turning away from God. People saying, I'm no longer going to believe, and they're, they're doing that because of their circumstance. Well, what we have here is a godly couple who's older in age, who, 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 let's just say, in this culture, it was such a big deal to have a child. It was the biggest of big deals. It's already a, it's a big deal today, right? But back then, it was, it was dangerous if you didn't have a child because your, child, your children grew up and they were the ones that were supposed to look after you. They were the ones that were supposed to take care of you in the olden days. If you didn't have a child to take care of you, you could die alone. It was disappointing if you didn't have a child. It had to have been disappointing for Zechariah and Elizabeth. Here's why. They both come from a line of priests. And priests have children... That become priests right so here's Zechariah he's like man I come from the division of Abijah I got a legacy behind me and my kids they're gonna come from the division of Abijah and from me and and Elizabeth's like man I come from the daughters of Aaron like Moses and Aaron that, that's my background y'all we're gonna have kids and they're gonna be able to know that and everybody else is gonna know that and they're like you know what let's have babies and they just weren't able to for whatever the reason, for whatever the circumstance, for whatever the timing, their testimony is we're not able to have a child. This would have caused embarrassment, especially for Elizabeth as she maybe walked to go get water with the other women and think about hearing, oh, this person is having a baby. Why not you, Elizabeth? You could, they could have been tempted to, be, to think that they did something wrong. Or maybe they didn't have favor in God's eyes. Regardless of what they felt and what they thought, the thing that I want you to see is that didn't determine their faithfulness to him. Amen? And so I want to encourage you this Christmas season and the rest of your life, regardless of your life circumstance, the reality is everything that you dream about may not happen. You may think, man, in 10 years life's going to look like this and it might not you might say man today is going to look like this and it may not but i want to encourage you this morning that just because things don't turn out how you envision them doesn't mean that god is not good and that he's not able to do more and greater things than you would have done in your own strength god's not done the thing i love about this couple is they stayed faithful even through their struggle amen Staying, like, I, I sometimes stub my toe and I'm like, is God real? Is he, I mean, I don't know. I'm not, right? They had this huge circumstance and they said, that's not going to determine our faithfulness. God is going to determine our faithfulness and he's good and worthy enough to be praised even if we don't get our way. And that's something that we can learn from them today in this. Christmas season let's keep reading about their story in verses 8 and 9 now while he was serving Zechariah was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty verse 9 according to the custom of the priesthood he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and to burn incense now this is kind of interesting right here that we get some insight on Zechariah's priestly duties The first thing that I want to highlight is just these first few words in the scripture. It says, now while he was serving. Now while he was serving. I was reading this over and over again, and this is what jumped out to me. That this older brother, who didn't necessarily live out the dream that he always had for his life, that this guy still served. Here's my second point of the message today. I would encourage you to write it down. Serve where you're planted. Serve where you're planted. Where God has planted you, where God has... Placed you where God has taken you and sovereignly said, I'm gonna place you here. That's where He's called you to serve. Amen. God said, Serve where you're planted. Think about it like this. Maybe you can ask these questions. You can say, All right, well, where am I planted? Well, you're planted in, if you're planted in this city, serve your city. If you're planted in this church, serve this church. If you're planted in this specific family, serve your family. If you're planted with these specific parents, serve your parents. If you're planted at this specific job, serve your job. If you're planted in a specific neighborhood, serve that neighborhood. If you're planted at a specific school, serve that school. Serve where you're planted. And you know why I would tell you to do that? It's because that's what leaders do. And you might ask me today, you might say, well, Pastor Hyden, what leadership book did you find that wisdom in? I'll tell you what book it was, It's was a really good book. It's called the Bible, all right? The Bible would teach you that the best leaders, the greatest leaders, the ones that are leading the charge, that those are the leaders that serve. We find it in Luke chapter 22, Jesus writing to his disciples, writing to walk church, talking to the Pharisees. He says, let the greatest among you be as the youngest and the leader as one who serves. Jesus equates leadership with serving. Your leadership capacity will be determined by your serving capacity. The greatest leaders are the ones that say, you know what? I know my circumstance isn't quite what I want it to be. I'm going to serve anyway. I may not enjoy what I'm doing. I'm going to serve anyway. I might not feel led to do it. I'm going to serve anyway. I might not even feel excited. I'm... We see this guy right here, Zechariah, saying, I'm a man of God. I'm going to be in the house of God, serving the people of God. That's just what he chose to do, and God said, I'm going to put him in the Bible. I want to highlight this brother's life. Serve where you're planted. Verse 8 tells us that while he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty. So he was a priest before God when his division was on duty. What does it mean for his division to be on duty? Remember, he's part of the division of Abijah. That's the eighth division. We learn a little bit more context in R. Kent Hughes commentary. He writes on this specific verse. He says, Zechariah was an ordinary country priest, one of an estimated 8,000 living in Palestine at the time. The priests were divided according to an arrangement first instituted 1,000 years earlier under King David and then reconstituted as 24 divisions after the Babylonian captivity. Each division numbered about 300 priests. Zechariah's division, the 8th division of Abijah, served for two one-week periods per year, as did the others. 56 priests were chosen by lot to participate each day. Here's what Hughes tells us. He teaches us that there was really thousands of priests during this time. So maybe you think, man, Zechariah, he was set apart as a priest, like he was this holy, anointed, one-of-a-kind dude. But really, it wasn't that big of a deal to be a priest in this culture. There was actually 24 divisions of priests each division was made up of at least 300 priests, and they would be specific toward their little town. So Zechariah and Elizabeth live in a small town. They probably are part of a small local congregation synagogue, and he's just one of the priests in the synagogue. Do you, do you see him? Can you picture him? And he's faithful to serve. Now, now, now once a year, all the priests get together and they would make their pilgrimage to Jerusalem and they would go to the big holy temple. Now this temple that was instituted by King David and then David's son Solomon built it and this was gonna be the place where God's presence dwelled on earth and God would have this moment in this holy of holies room and he said once a year, a priest is allowed to come in and he can then light some incense and these incense would be like an aroma to God which would signify the prayers of the people. So God says, once a year, I want a priest to come in, I want him to light incense, and I want him to offer up a prayer for the nation. Does that make sense? So it's once a year, right? And all these thousands of priests get together, and they all have lots. And so they're like, hey, you have a lot, you have a lot, you have a lot, you draw one, you draw one, you draw one, everybody draws a lot. And let's just say, the one who had the shortest is the one that's handpicked by God to be the one that goes into the temple and gets to offer up their prayer. It just so happens that in this specific story Zechariah got picked. He was the one with the lot. It says, while he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. This is a big deal. John MacArthur says it like this. He says, this is a high honor According to Exodus and 2 Chronicles, because of the large number of priests, most would never be chosen for such a duty. No one was permitted to serve in this capacity twice. Zechariah, no doubt, regarded this as the supreme moment in a lifetime of priestly service. This is Zechariah's spiritual Super Bowl. This is his 15 minutes of priestly fame, right? Everybody makes it up to the temple and they're thinking, man, there's a long, it's a long shot, but I might actually get to go in this year. One person gets to go in. And Zechariah says, oh, snap, I got picked. I'm going in. I can just see him high-fiving all the other priests like, yeah, man, what you want me to pray for? You know, I'm going in, right? I'm going in. I'm lighting incense. The book of Revelation says that, the, that before the altar, before the throne of God in heaven is a bowl, and this bowl of incense that have been The prayers of God's people, they they go up as a pleasing aroma to God. It's kind of like when you're in the mall and you walk by Bath and Body Works. Come on, can anybody, right? You're just like, man, I just got to step in there, man. That just smells too good. Just the aroma hit me when I was just walking by, right? And and then we end up buying too much soap, all right? No, okay, sorry. Um, (laughs) Forgive me for that. Uh, Just enough, right? Um, This aroma, this aroma because of the incense, it represents the prayers of the people. And so Zechariah now has this moment where the lot lands on him. Proverbs chapter 16 says it like this, the lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. So, so they drew lots and they believed that God was wise enough, smart enough, near enough, close enough to pick the right person to go in Zechariah in his old age, he's the one that got picked. If you want to keep going, say keep going. Verse 10 says it like this. The whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. I want you just to picture this really quick, right? Like, like Zechariah enters in. He's like, wow, this looks amazing and crazy, and I better not mess something up because I could die if I do. So he grabs his incense. He lights them, right? And, and he begins praying. Now, I think he just begins praying for the nation. I think he just starts praying, God, when are you going to remove this Herodian king? God, when are you going to send the Messiah of a virgin birth that you promised through the prophet Isaiah? God, when are you going to deliver us? When are you going to rescue us? God, we need you to come back. Visit us. Visit us from an angel. Visit us with a prophet. Just speak to us again. Lord, we need to hear a word. You've been silent for hundreds of years. God, here's our prayers. Amen. And he opens his eyes and directly to the right of the altar that he's praying on, what does he see? There's an angel there. And whenever there's an angel that shows up in the Bible, he always makes a scene. Like, angels don't play around. It's a big, bad angel. A big, good angel, all right? And appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense, and Zechariah was troubled. Yeah, he was like, am I in trouble? Like, this is crazy right here. And he saw him and And fear fell upon him. Like, praise God, Zechariah didn't die. Like, he was just like, you know, just like shook, like shocked. Like, whoa, what is that? That's an angel. If you ever want to just do a fascinating study, just study the angels of the Bible. They're amazing. Now, this angel we get to learn a little bit more about here as we continue reading. Verse 13 says, the angel said to him. So first off, angels can speak. This angel says, do not be afraid. And maybe that's a word for somebody here today. Maybe you're here today, and you're wrestling with fear. And you're struggling with a spirit of doubt and fear, and you're just not sure how you're going to make it. And maybe some things are just off, and and God wants to tell you something specifically today. He's going to tell you through me today, through the scriptures today, do not be afraid. The next thing he says is this, Zechariah, the angel, knew his name. I wonder if he was like, he knows me. The angel, knows, the angel knows me. Then he says, your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Wow. What a moment that had to have been to hear this message from this angelic visitation. Amen. He continues, he says, you will have joy and gladness. He says, many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine. God put a calling on his life that was unique to John's life. He said, he must not drink wine or strong drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. This is a a great verse. I know this is a controversial subject, but this is a great pro-life verse that God is doing a work, a miraculous birth work in a mom's womb before we ever even know it, before there's ever even activity. God knows what he's doing. Continuing, verse 16, he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. He's going to bring reconciliation back to families and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. He's saying, look, your son is going to prepare the way for the Messiah to come, Zechariah and Elizabeth. Now, Zechariah is still in the temple, right? Right? Like, the people are outside praying. They're just like, yo, how long is he going to be in there? Right? Like, I, I'm reminded, Nina, when we were in Israel, we would go to the wailing wall and pray at the wall. And we would see all the rabbis and the priests out there. And they'd just kind of be doing their rock. And they're praying. And, you know, they're just talking. They're singing. All day long, just worshiping, praying. Some are on their knees. Some got their hands up. And it's really just supposed to be a quick, light the incense, pray the prayer. And walk out, give everybody a high five, we can all go home. And now they're like, man, what is he doing in there? What's going on in there? He's, he's a little bit pat. He must be really praying. <laughs> he was visited by an angel. This right here is beautiful right here. Let me give you the third point of the message today. It would be simply this. Trust God with your prayers. Trust God with your prayers. The reason why I want to give us this point, trust God with your prayers, it comes from what we just read. It says, the angel spoke to Zechariah, and he said this. He said, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Praise God for a God who hears our prayers, amen? amen. Like they don't stop at the ceiling, but God hears our prayers. God hears our prayers. God hears our prayers. This is amazing right here. Now there's two different interpretations that scholars and commentators debate upon, and I think either one is true. It's awesome. Some commentators say that Zechariah, when he got in there and he lit the incense and he began praying for the nation, he began praying for the people, and then he snuck in at the end of it. And God, this is my moment. I may never be back here again. Even in our old age, if you be willing, give us that baby. And then the angel shows up and says, "God heard your prayer, and you're going to have a baby." Isn't that crazy? Like, what have you stopped praying for? Like, what what have you given up on in your prayer life? If that's true in this text, then praise God. I think that there is some truth to that. Keep praying. Keep knocking. Keep asking. The the other interpretation is this that this was a prayer that Zechariah prayed decades ago. This was a prayer that once upon a time he and his wife Elizabeth prayed, and they prayed with a sincere heart and they prayed with a genuine mind. They just said, God, we're ready. We're married. We're going to do this. God, give us. Babies, Let us have a big family. God, give us a, a child. Please, God, do it. And it didn't happen. And then a year went by and it didn't happen. Then years went by and they tried everything that they could and it just didn't happen. And we see here that that prayer never died. I would lean toward that interpretation as opposed to this one. I think that this is a prayer that was prayed by this godly couple that God held on to until the timing was right. How many of you know that prayers never die and that God's timing is always right? Can you can I help? Amen that? If you agree and amen is just an agree. You can amen here. you can agree if you feel led to, because I'm reminded here, that God hears our prayers, and just because it's not time yet doesn't mean that I did anything wrong. doesn't mean that they did anything wrong. It just means that their timing wasn't right. Here's what you got to remember. That this baby would prepare the way for Jesus. right? If they would have had this baby sooner, it would have messed the Christmas story all the way up. It wasn't that Zechariah was wrong. It wasn't that Elizabeth did anything wrong. It just wasn't their time. If you get the right thing at the wrong time it's the wrong thing you need to have the right thing at the right time for it to be the right thing it just wasn't their time to have a baby what's so amazing in this story is that they stayed faithful even in their circumstance and they trusted God and God still came through even in their old age what a miraculous moment what, do, what, what prayers do you need to trust God with? What prayers did you pray many years ago that you forgot about? What prayers did you give up on? What prayers did you say, you know what, God, it would be amazing if this happened, that you thought were just buried into the ground? Well, if they're buried, that means they can grow. They, 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 weren't, they weren't dead They were planted, and they can start growing. But you got to trust the God who answers and hears prayer. He is on time, and he knows what he does. Now, maybe you'd say, well, what type of answer does he give to our prayers? I believe he gives three answers to prayer. Biblically, we see three different answers that God gives to prayer. Sometimes he gives a yes. God will say, yep, I'm going to answer that prayer. Sometimes God will say later, which is what we see In Zechariah and Elizabeth's story, that God answered their prayer. He just said, okay, I'm going to give you all a baby later. And sometimes he says, I have something greater. Remember, God is the giver of all that's good, isn't he? He's the the giver of everything that's good. God doesn't give no's. He gives, I got something greater for you. Praise God that he doesn't always give us what we want. Because sometimes he'll give us, if he were to give us everything we want, it would be the exact thing to hinder us. It'd be the exact thing that hurt us. I remember hearing uh, back in the day, people always say, Lord Jesus, we're praying that you come back. We're praying that you come back. Think about it. If he came back today, all the people that would miss him. There's still more people that we got to pray into the kingdom. Then Jesus, don't come back yet. Let me just get a couple more people in first. Come on, right? He's an on- Time God, He' come back when you 're ready to come back, God, but in the meantime, I'm going to stay faithful in the house of God, praying around the people of God, trusting you, walking in faithfulness. I heard this word from a friend of mine, Pastor Jabe, and he said it like this. He said, "The waiting season is never a wasted season, right? You, you may be in a waiting time, but hear this, it's never a waste of time. it's, it's in this season that you might be strengthening, that you might be getting to a place where God can say yes. It's in this season that you're waiting, that it's actually God saying, you know what, I'm, I'm getting you ready. Like, maybe you're here today, and you're like, man, like, you know what, I'm single and ready to mingle, right? Like, I'm, I'm ready. Like Like, God, I'm ready to be that Christian boyfriend or girlfriend and get married. And you know what, you might be right, but what if the person that God's Has for you, he's still preparing. You just got to stay ready and trust that his timing, that person might be in Alaska, right? And God's like, I'm going to move him to Vegas in two years. Just stay faithful and then it'll happen. Like, God's doing something and you need to be faithful with the now before you're faithful with the next. Amen. Like, do you guys ever, maybe you remember this show, maybe you don't. It's a pretty poor show but it was a show called Next, I just remember it vaguely, and basically what it was is it's about a person who they highlight, and this person could potentially get set up with like a, a dating partner, and so they had the choice, they see the person walk out and they can say, next, or they can say, you know what, I'm gonna, I wanna entertain the conversation. And so sometimes they're like, you know, right when the person walks out and they're like, next, and how, what a killer that is, like, okay, you know, I didn't wanna, I didn't wanna talk to you anyway, right? Right, and then sometimes they're like, you know what? I want to take you to coffee. Like, let's go somewhere. And then they're at the coffee table, and within the first minute, they're like, next, next. Nope, this isn't. And then sometimes they go through a full date day, and they say, you know what? I want to pursue this thing, and they go off into a relationship. That's the purpose of the show. So they have the choice to either next or stay. Right, and and and, and we do that with God sometimes. Right, we're like, all right, God, I'm ready. I'm here, and God's like, all right, here's what I want you to do, and we're like, next. We're like, yo, we want the next assignment. We don't want that assignment. God, give us the next assignment. But here's the reality. In the kingdom, God's not going to give you what's next until you do what's now. Amen? Like, God has things for you to walk in now before you move into what's next. So maybe you're here today and you're praying for your financial breakthrough. You're like, God, I need the financial breakthrough. And God's like, if you can be faithful with tithing now, maybe I can bring you into a faithful breakthrough then. Maybe you're like, you know what, I'm praying for, for my spouse. I, be, I want a faithful spouse. And God's like, well, if you can stay faithful to me now, maybe you'll be faithful then. How's God going to give you somebody next when you can't be faithful Now, come on, somebody, right? Maybe you're like this. This is my story. Maybe you're like, you know what, God, I want, I want a platform, right? Like, I want a minute. I want, I want a God. I feel like you're calling me to ministry and to plant churches in the city of Las Vegas. Well, that was a calling that God gave me a decade ago, right? And, And God said, well, if you can be faithful now and serve and wait and pray and trust and serve and wait and pray, and trust, and then we're serving, and we're waiting, and we're praying, and we're trusting. Come on. Serving, waiting, praying, trusting, serving, waiting, praying, trusting. One more time. Serving, waiting, praying, trusting. Out of all that emerged a church. God's like, I can't, I, I, I see what this could be. The next looks good. But you need to be faithful with the now. And then everything else will flow out of that. Maybe you want to unlock what's next. Ask yourself, am I doing what's now? What did God call me to do now? I love what Zechariah's story teaches us. They were faithful, even though their circumstance didn't look great. And they said yes to God. And God said, all right, I'll meet you right there. the altar of incense I'll make sure you get the just the right lot I'll make sure that the angel is on time and I'm going to speak to you let me give you the fourth and final point all right the fourth and final point is this listen and believe listen and believe before we read it what do you think Zechariah's response was I I would think he would give the angel a big hug and say yes we about to have a baby the Lord heard my prayer But I think Zechariah is a lot like us. Let's look at the verse together. Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man. My wife is advanced in years. No, man. Don't say that. That sounds like a lot of us where we just really quick turn into a doubter. And we start to turn our eyes to our circumstance, right? Right? And then we start to think worldly and humanly, and we start to put limitations on God again. Sometimes we just talk too much. The angel answered him. He said, I am Gabriel. That's just a sentence, right? He said, first off, I'm Gabriel. Whenever Gabe shows up in the Bible, it's, it's bad business. Like he's, he's like, yo, I'm not here to play around. I'm not here to waste time. I stand in the presence of God literally, right? That's what he said. He has to give him his resume. He's like, look, man, that didn't go the way I thought it would. I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, all right? Don't ask me no more questions, all right? You know, you've asked every, like, look, I would, look, listen, man, I, I was sent to speak to you and bring to you good news. Shut up and listen, So behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their name. Brother, sister, I want to encourage you to believe in the miracle. Believe in the miracle. God is doing something now, and it's a miracle for us to embrace it's a miracle for us to receive. All of our stories are miraculous in our own way, right? Praise God that God didn't hit the next button on you. Amen? Right? He was like, yeah, you're the one. I want to hang out with you. And we're like, next in God. We're like, no, nah, God, I'll, I'm a, I'll, come, I'll come back to you next, right? And God's like, all right, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it, right? And, and here's God, right? And he's saying, I got something for you, Zechariah. It, the, the timing wasn't right, but now it's right. The timing is right. Zechariah, he's talking. I'm reminded of this word in Proverbs chapter 10. You know, I like to live in the Proverbs. Read the Proverbs every day. Proverbs 10 says it like this. When there are many words, sin is unavoidable. But the one who controls his lips is prudent. The one who controls his lips is wise. I'll tell you what, we want to avoid sin at all costs, don't we? Like, let's avoid sin. But when words are many, sin is unavoidable. It's going to be tough to avoid it if we just keep talking so much. This is a word that I need. I need to put this like on my bathroom mirror. I need to put this on my steering wheel. I need to put this on the front door of our like every, I just need to just keep this in mind, right? This is a word that Zechariah needed and Zechariah was muted. Got hit hit the mute on him Gabriel. And he came back home and he he somehow drew out the Dream, maybe. I mean, he came outside. All the, all the priests were like, What happened to you, man? They were like, Yo, he's seen a vision because he was just like, I don't know. <laughs> They're like, He's lost it, right? <laughs> he got, he's all messed up. He goes home, and, and here's what happens next Luke chapter 1, verse 24 and 25. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. Praise God. For five months, she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. She tells us here that she had this reproach. She had this insecurity. She had this embarrassing feeling. She had this feeling of doubt, this feeling of of loss, of self-worth. She was sad, but she said God took it away even among the people in the city. Imagine what they thought. They said, oh, snap. Elizabeth's pregnant. And she said for five months, all she wanted to do was just talk to God. I mean, think about every day, feeling her belly just saying, thank you, Lord. Only you could have did that. And you made my husband silent. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> thank you, Lord. Only you could have did that. Come on. <laughs> Only you. You answered both my prayers, God. You can- You gave me exactly what I wanted for Christmas. Oh, man. That's rough. She won every argument for five months. (laughs) Dang. Trust God with your prayers. Listen and believe. Listen and believe. John the Baptist would be born. John, Jesus, his his cousin, would be born. Um, It would be a beautiful relationship that... Jesus and John would have, Jesus would one day say, there's nobody greater than John the Baptist, right? You would think in the days of Herod, where Herod was the greatest, he thought he was the greatest, the greatest was actually in the temple, worshiping God, having an encounter with the right time, the Holy Spirit, the angel of the Lord spoke, and they ended up having this baby boy named John, and he would go and he would prepare the way of the Lord. You know what's going to be a cool cool meetup in heaven is when you get to hang out with John. Like, I, like, I'm getting there to Jesus, but I want to see John the Baptist first, and his story of his parents, Zechariah and Elizabeth. Let me give you the four points before we close. Final four points. Don't allow your life circumstance to determine your faithfulness to God. Serve where you're planted. Trust God with your prayers, and listen and believe when he speaks. Amen? Let's pray. Father